hoping we can finish this message tonight. So we'll move on to something else. I have other things I would like to share uh, that I believe is, is from the Lord. Uh, so stand up tonight. And while we're standing, since our brothers are new brothers and, brothers and sisters, uh, I always want them over here. Can you move back here, please? <laughs> They are visitors. I'm a little bit, I don't know if I want to do this, but please, let's do this. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. Nor did I turn away. Amen. I believe you all know this by heart right now. And so one Wednesday, because you are Wednesday crowd, it won't be up. And we have to say it. <laughs> now see how noisy it gets in here. <laughs> Amen. The anointing of a king. The Bible is very clear that God has made us kings and priests. And kings rule. Kings rule. They are designed to rule. They, 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 are, they sit on the throne and they rule. They give commands. And that's what God has made us. We are, we are seated with him in heavenly places. You are seated. You were raised with Christ. And God made us to sit with him in his throne in heavenly places. Way up there. And every other thing is beneath us. He has put all things under his feet. And we are his body. You can't separate a man's head from his body. The Bible tells us the church is the body of Christ. So we are Jesus' body. You can't say, well, I respect the head, but his body, that's another thing. We are one with him. We are joint heirs with him because we are one and the same in the mind of God. And we have received the anointing of God, the anointing of a king. And in the Old Testament, before you go, before a king is installed, he has to be anointed with oil. God will send his prophet, go and anoint him with oil. And then he sits on the throne. When he sits on the throne, then he has all the authority. Even if he were a, ki- a kid, there were young men that were kings. But they sat on the throne, the throne of authority. And you today, by the doings of God, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, I always like to say this. God didn't ask your opinion about that. He says you are seated with him in heavenly places. And until you recognize that, Satan will harass you. Because he knows you don't know your right. You shall know the truth. They shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Until you know and accept the truth. That this is who God has made you. Satan knows you don't know and will harass you. But the day you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Satan cannot hold you in bondage once you know the truth. So Jesus was the firstborn. And we came along. And I said on Sunday, uh, everyone in, in, in the house of God is a firstborn. Because we are joint heirs with him, everyone is an heir. So, we need to know that from the Word of God. Isaiah 11, from verse 2 and 3, verse 2 and 3, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So, him, meaning Jesus, 
is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So he's telling you what kind of spirit is resting on you today. Right where you're seated is the same Holy Spirit that's resting upon you that rested upon Jesus. Jesus said, if I don't go, he won't come. So Jesus had the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is the Spirit of God. So God is put upon us that Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. And we talked about the spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge. All of those have to do with wisdom, understanding, counsel. All has to do with wisdom. And then we talk, we're going today to deal with the spirit of might. It's not something that you are going to receive. It's something that you have already received. If you have been filled with the Spirit of God, you already have the Spirit of might. So the Bible says, stir up the gift that is in you. Who is to stir up the gift? You. Until you recognize that the gift is in, in you, you won't know to stir it up. But you have to realize you have the Spirit of might living inside of you. You need to understand that you are not like the rest of them. That's what I used to think. All of us are the same. We are all children of God. No, not everyone in the world is a child of God. You were born from above. And the Bible says, he who is from above is above all. So you are a child of God and you have the spirit of might. The Bible says, but without faith, that's Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It takes might to diligently seek God. It takes might. You can seek God, but to diligently seek him, you need might. It takes might to pray. To wake up early in the morning or stay up late at night to spend time with God an hour, two hours. Your body wants to go to sleep. We've had all night prayer meetings here before. And by three o'clock, we are having people in deep meditation. Well, but with a little snoring, you know. It takes might to stay awake. It takes might to fast for days without food. It takes might to smell that hamburger aroma coming in and you, and you can taste of it. I hate even seeing the pictures of those things in those days. The pictures make you hungry immediately. It takes might to fast. It takes mind to consistently search the scriptures to find truth. It has to be the spirit of God, the spirit of might, guiding you. Many people know they should be praying. They will know we should be studying the scriptures. But it takes might. It takes the anointing of a king 
to know that this is what I should do. Think about Jesus, how much he spent the whole night praying to his father. And I'm wondering, that's the son of God. If the son of God will spend a whole night praying, that's the one that's perfect, no sin. Boy, God help me. I may have to double that. But do I have what it takes to do that? You see, the spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. You want to do it, but it takes the spirit of mind. And that's what, if you want to go into the Old Testament, that's what Samson had. And Samson was only able to do what he did when that spirit came on him. But for us in the New Testament, that's living inside of you. Stir up the spirit of mind that is in you. It takes might. You know, if God has opened or given you any kind of assignment, and every one of us has an assignment in your life, there is something that God is giving to you to do. Only you can do it. Pastor can't do it because he was not created for it. Just you. There are some people no other person can reach except you. Every one of you, like I'm looking at you tonight, you have your own assignment. You are not here by accident. There is something God has given to you. But regardless of what God's given to you, no matter what it is, the door that God has opened for you to walk through, once you begin to go towards that door, you will sense opposition. Many quit before they even get to the door. Because it takes the spirit of might to go through it. You cannot get anywhere. You cannot do something that's bigger than yourself. An assignment that God has given to you without the spirit of might. You're going to get discouraged immediately. That's why God was telling Joshua, it says, be strong and be very courageous. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 9, he says, For a great and effective door has been opened to me. A great and effective door is an effective door. God opened it for you. An assignment that will bring good to your life and good to people around you. Whatever it is, everyone's assignment is different. Everyone's door is different. But Paul said, God has given me a great and effective door that's been opened for me. But... And there are many enemies, opposition. When God opens the door, there is going to be an opposition. If you are walking for God and have no opposition, rethink what you're doing. When things don't make sense, And troubles are coming from everywhere. That's the time to rejoice because you are doing what's right. 
God's ways are very different from our ways. But in the natural, all you want to do is quit and rest and say, God, why are you allowing this? And some people complain. If it's a great and effective door, there will be many oppositions. So recognize that. And you cannot tell how it will come. They come in different shapes and different colors. You deal with one, another one shows up. A fat one shows up after you just got through dealing with a skinny one. But that's the way it is. But you have to recognize it. All of a sudden there's sickness in your home, whereas you haven't had that in a while. Why don't you recognize this is the enemy? Jesus said, an enemy has done this. We sold what was good in the field. How come we got tears? The enemy has done this. You have to recognize that and stand. Just because you recognize it doesn't mean the enemy is going to quit. He's there to oppose you. But you have to put on that spirit of mind and say, no matter what you're here from, I'm telling you, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that's risen up against me in judgment, I'm condemning you. You're not going anywhere. I got the spirit of mind. You wake, you, sh- you wake up, you rise up from your bed like something, and you shake yourself a little bit. And the enemy says, Toulouse, I'm gone. This guy's up. But if you do like what I used to do, Lord God, please come and help me, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Satan so says, we got him now. We got him. Look, he's, he's screaming. We got him good. You got to stand up with might. It's like Smith Wigglesworth. Oh, it's you. No fear. Because you have the spirit of mind. There is going to be opposition. No matter what God calls you to do, there is going to be opposition. Whether it's ministry, it doesn't matter what it is. And when things don't make sense, then recognize the enemies in it. And know you're doing what's right. Stay there. Don't worry about it. When the test is over, the angels will come and minister to you. It's always that way. So recognize that. David had his mighty men. Why? Because they were in a fight. They were mighty. Why? Because they were willing to give their life for their king. David. Their leader. But because David was under God's umbrella... They were truly following God. They knew that David had been anointed by Samuel. He was not yet king, but they were willing to commit because they knew God's following this man. God's with him. He is going to be the future king. We're staying with him and we'll give our lives for him. One time David was talking about drinking water. He, he wanted water. I'm, I'm not sure if it was from Bethlehem or so. And then people heard him. They didn't even talk to him. They went and fought their way and got the water for their, king, for their king. They were the mighty men of David. And when they brought the water, David said, this is blood here, blood, because you could have died trying to get water. And he said, he poured it out to the Lord as an offering. David had his mighty men. It takes might. To say to a king who is the ruler of the world, 
He said, King, we're not going to listen to you. And we're not going to bow. We're telling you, our God is able to deliver us. And they were not massive words. They meant what they were saying. That was a strong spirit of mind. And the king recognized there's something different about this young man. We're not going to listen. We're not careful, they said. They still respected him. We're not careful to talk to you about this matter, O king. But let, we want you to know our God is able to deliver us. Because the king said, I will see what God will take, deliver you from this furnace. They said, well, I'm telling you, our God is able to do that. But even if he's not willing to, we're ready to burn. It takes the spirit of mind to do that. The men of David, what we call the mighty men, they were willing to give their lives fighting. The Old Testament is a type of what we're doing today. They fought for their king. We can fight for our king and be willing to lay down our lives, if possible, for him. Until you come to the place as a Christian person that I don't care what people think. I don't care what happens to me. I'm following Jesus. If I have to lose my life, I'm ready to go. Until you settle that in your heart, you won't really walk straight. You got to settle that in your heart. That nothing else matters. If, that doesn't, if it's not been settled in your heart, everything, you're not going to be really straight. And sometimes you do things because it just don't, it's not something that bothers you. You just let go of everything. Because you don't really understand what this is all about. When you fully understand the cause of Christ, I'm going to live for that. And you see somebody coming, they don't know God, you zero in on them. Because of him. Because of him. Even if it's your last penny, and it's going to add something to the blood of Jesus that was shed, you're willing to let that go. But if you're not willing to let these little things go, they're going to take your life. You're not willing to do that. You're not willing to do that. It takes might to lay down your life. Jesus said, anyone who is going to follow me must take up his cross daily. That means you are ready to die for him. It takes the spirit of might to be able to do that, just like the mighty men of David. Why were they mighty? They fought for their king until they became king. And many of them were not well recognized. But we have to do that for our God. I like you listen to Paul because Jesus had his mighty man. Listen to Paul. Paul was not, I mean, he was a slight person. This is his presence is nothing. The Corinthians says his, his writings are very witty. But when he's here with you, it's like, is that the Paul we're talking about? That's the way they felt. But there was something about Paul in his heart. And the same thing with Peter. That's why I was studying these two people. Peter said, Time has come. I'm going the way the Lord showed me I'm going to glorify. He knew he was going to be killed. Think about it. If you knew that you were going to be killed, 
how often would you be out preaching? Or how many nights would you be thinking about how he's going to feel when the time comes? This man could care less. He said, it's time for me. I'm going the way the Lord showed me that I have to die. And wasn't afraid. That's might. He wasn't afraid. History tells us they crucified him upside down. He told them, I don't want you doing it like you did my master. I'm not, I'm not in that class. Do it the other way. But he was willing to give his life. What are we willing to give? Maybe I'm talking to the wrong crowd. I mean, he's raining today. I really can't go to church. God understands. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't, doesn't understand it. Hear what Paul said. Paul was going towards Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit was telling, speaking through people. You can read in, in Acts chapter 20. The Holy Spirit was speaking and he knew it. He said, I felt bound in my spirit. But everywhere he went, the Holy Spirit was sharing with him, read Acts 20, that chains and trouble is waiting for you in Jerusalem. <laughs> you know what most people will do? They will run to Wagadugu. Hiding away from Jerusalem. You, will have, you have to drag them to Jerusalem. Because they believe, he believed it. He believed it. And yet, no fear. He was going towards it. It takes, just like Jesus. He knew he was going to Jerusalem to be crucified. Yet, he was going. It takes that spirit of mind. And you have been baptized with that. Amen. You have been baptized with that. This is what Paul said. The scripture says, And as we stayed many days, that's Luke, Paul, and all those that were with him, we stayed many days, in, that's in the house of uh, Philip. We, they stayed there with Philip. The, Philip the evangelist, there are two Philips. There is one Philip, the apostle, and then there is Philip in Acts chapter 7 that was chosen to serve tables. The Philip that was chosen, that's the uh, evangelist. The apostle is different. That's Philip is different. Andrew, that's the apostle here. But this is Philip the evangelist. He remained an evangelist, not an apostle. They stayed with him as Paul was going to Jerusalem. He stayed with Philip. Philip had three daughters that prophesied. And Paul was staying with Philip. And it says, as they stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. So he was coming from Judea, Jerusalem area, coming back, to, coming to Caesarea to be with uh, Philip the Evangelist. It said, when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So Paul was basically hearing, and Agabus was a well-established uh, prophet at this time. Paul was hearing exactly what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. You will be delivered to the hands of the Gentiles. He says, now when we heard these things, both 
we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Can you imagine the whole church begging you not to go? You know what we'll say? Why does he really want to go? He's arrogant. The Holy Spirit has told him there's trouble. Why is he going? Your calling and his calling is different. You don't have to tell him what to do. Paul already knew it. We need to be very careful as to, uh, you know, giving advice to people because God may be leading. Just let them be. I'm sure Paul already knew before that prophecy came to him. He already knew. Acts 20, he already said something about that and the people wept and consoled him before he got to Caesarea. He already knew. So Agabus wasn't telling him something that he didn't know. He had accepted it. He said, I, found, I felt bound to go to Jerusalem, even though I know what's happening. And he actually told them in Acts, he said, many of you that I see, you'll never see my face again. And they started crying. Because he told them they won't see him anymore. But he wasn't what he was praying for them. I want to get to that place. I want to get to that place where nothing matters. But because of Christ, he said, I want to finish this race, Paul said. I want to finish it, and I want to finish it well. Don't matter what happens to me. It takes might to get there. He says, now when we heard this, verse 12, these things, both we, that's Luke, and the others that were there, including possibly Agabus, knowing the Holy Spirit has spoken to him, Paul, please don't go. They pled with him, they pleaded with him. Not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping? Why are you crying for me? And you are breaking my heart. You are making me feel really bad. What do you mean by doing this? He says, For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm not just going there. I'm ready to die. He was a man just like us. We have to recognize that. But the Holy Spirit has filled him. He could care less about life. He wanted to please his master. And we have the same spirit. He wasn't afraid of anyone. And we can see the same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can read who care less about what people think. That's the greatest hindrance for us. We are very concerned about what people think. And, and their opinions will constantly change. They like you today, tomorrow they hate you. They come into the church, this is the best church. The next three weeks, this is the worst church they've ever been in. So I just don't listen to them. All I need to do is face who called me. And make sure my conscience is right between me and him. And I want to hear what the, the thing about the Holy Spirit is he will constantly tell you, son, I'm pleased with what you're doing. So that, that's the comfort I get. Not what's happening there. They change their mind. They, they, off and on. We got real good people, but you got some flaky ones too. They all come. And so when you're getting the flag from the flaky ones, take comfort from those that have encouraged you, okay? You just don't worry about them. (laughs) 
And I'm not talking to you, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about them. <laughs> but this is what was said about Jesus, which we really need to know. I'm going to come from behind it, so, from, so you've you read the scripture. But it's the truth. They knew what he was like. And they sought to trap him just like they did with Daniel. They knew there is no way we can get this man until we say something that has to do with his God. Because they have noticed that's who he is. So they sought to trap Daniel. Would they do the same thing to you? That's the question. How do others see you? Do they see that you will compromise or you stay the course? That's the whole thing. When pressure comes, <laughs> it takes might to stay. Because then he says, well, you know, I used to say that, but now I already, I think my eyes are open. No, your eyes are not open. You're, you're scared. So you, you, you take the, the road of compromise. Look at what he says. In Matthew 22, verse 16, they were talking to Jesus and they said to him, it says, it says here, and they sent to him their disciples with their rodents saying, they were talking to Jesus, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone for you do not regard the person of men. You know what they were saying? This is what they knew about him. And they wanted to lock him in that place because they knew this about him. So they wanted to make sure he knew, we know you. This is the way you are and you're not going to go from that. Now tell us, is it good to, give, uh, to uh, pay taxes to Caesar? That's where this came from. That's, they were testing him because they knew, we know you. We know you don't fear anyone. You speak the truth no matter what. So we're going to lock you in that place and you're not going to get away from it. And then they threw the question at him. Would they do the same thing to you? That's the question. He takes might to lock so that you are predictable. They know, just like Daniel, you can't come against him until you do this. It takes might to diligently seek God. That's all I'm saying. It takes might to diligently seek God. And that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We can't do anything. Jesus said, if I don't go, he will not come. And if he doesn't come, you can't do it. When the disciples in Acts 4, they were scared and they said they were being threatened. They said, God, give us boldness. So we can speak without fear. And we want you to stretch out your hand so the people know that it's God that's doing it. And then they went out and spoke the word, with, the word of God with boldness. Even though they've been threatened with death, they could kill us. But when God heard them praying, how did he respond? He poured his Holy Spirit upon them. The anointing of a king. And they took note of them. They had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. That's the point about this. It takes might to pray. It takes might to study the scriptures. It takes the spirit of might 
to go to church on a very, very cold day. It takes the spirit of mind. It's got to come from in here. That devotion to God that nothing can shake. No trial can shake that. Just stay the course. And that's what Paul did. It takes mind. And we have been filled with that today. This, this is not right here. What's the time? <laughs> you guys are laughing, but I'm okay. I still got some time. Good. I want to go to the final one, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It tells us his delight is the fear of the Lord and he shall not judge by, this, by the sight of his eyes. The fear of the Lord he will not judge by the sight. Jesus, it was very clear about Jesus from the very time, even as a boy. He was very clear. Don't you realize I have to be about my father's business? When he came into the temple and he saw the people selling and buying, he wasn't concerned. All he wanted, I mean, that was an unusual Jesus. He was mad. Can you imagine if pastor came to church and he's throwing down the pulpit and throwing stuff down and throwing up chairs in church? The members said, boy, this is a crazy pastor, but we got to fire him. What's going on here? Not only that, he had whip. So you're going to get whipped on, on, the, on the Sunday morning by pastor. How holy would that pastor be? <laughs> Whipping the church members. He's going to be in the news. Evening news. Pastor came to church with a whip. But that was Jesus. He could care less about what people thought. What his disciples thought, he never consulted with them. I'm sure while he was making that whip to whip the people, the disciples were thinking, Whoa, what is, he, what is he doing? And then all of a sudden he's throwing down tables and then he said to them, My father's house shall be called a house of prayer. We don't want you selling here. He was defending his father's house. The fear and reverence of God that's what mattered to him. Nothing else. Because he had the anointing of a king. He could care less. He loved the way of God and would defend the way of God. I don't understand how a Christian can sit in a place and you hear unbelievers making fun and you know the truth. And you are more scared of your job. So you won't say anything. Meanwhile, the angels in heaven, they are seeing what's going on. Every word that we speak, he hears. And the Spirit of God is there watching what's going on. And you are afraid to speak. I heard a story of a, a, a man, a Christian man. He had a partner in business. And um, 
his partner didn't really understand why he was such a good partner. Because he did everything, never complained. He made sure everything was fine. He was very fair. And this fellow bragged about, you need to meet my partner. He is the greatest man that you'll ever meet. He bragged on his partner constantly. He loved his partner. He could just let go, don't care about the money, because he knew his partner was very faithful and he was doing everything right. And bragged on him. One weekend he went out and he heard the gospel message. He was excited. He got saved and felt the Spirit of God. He couldn't wait. That was his best friend. He couldn't wait to get back to his office to tell his friend what happened to him. He had to tell his partner and friend. So on, on Monday morning, he got to the office real early and he got his friend. Hey, bro, let me tell you what happened to me this past Sunday. And, and said, you know, I went to this church. My, God opened my eyes. I, I got saved. And his friend went, praise the Lord. He said, what? You, did you just say, praise the Lord? Are you a Christian? He said, yeah. He said, wow, now I see why you're like that. And then he said, but you knew if I had died, I would have gone to hell. And you said nothing to me. I used to think you were a good man. (laughs) Now I changed my mind. (laughs) You're wicked. I mean, you couldn't even tell me one time you would have allowed your friend to go to hell. Now you understand where you go, but you never said a word to me. He was disappointed. He was totally disappointed. I'm sure he heard him cursing and all of that. He said nothing. Never identified with Christ. When you do that, the reverence of God doesn't mean anything with you. You have the spirit of mind. But maybe you have been laying down in Dalala's lap too long and your hair has been shaved. You are not able to shake yourself. We really need to wake up. We need to speak more to those around us. Jesus said this, What have I tell you in the dark? Matthew 10 27, 20, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Are we doing that? Whatever I tell you in the dark, whatever, how many things have you heard from him? Secretly from the scriptures, because he's hidden. Are you sharing that with those around you? He says, speak in the light. And whatever you uh, you hear in the ear, preach. On the housetop. Let everybody know. Was he talking to just them? He's talking to us. And do not fear. The reason why you don't speak is because you're afraid. Do not fear those who kill the body. But cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him. Who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You don't speak because you're scared. It's your body that you're concerned about. 
the reverence of God and that spirit of the fear of the Lord is not working very much. You don't have a full understanding. Otherwise, you speak out. But Jesus had all of them, the seven spirits of God, according to Revelation. He spoke out. I mean, I can see him standing before Pilate and Pilate telling him, don't you know I have the power to save your life or to put you to death? And he turned to him, you don't have that power. Unless it's given to you from above. Nobody's spoken to Pilate that way. Pilate says, this guy is different. I don't want anything to do with this fellow. Please. And his wife warned him, don't touch him. Because they could recognize something was different about him. He wasn't afraid. Everyone would shake around Pilate. But this guy turned to him. You don't have the right to do that. Unless God is given to you. And because they brought me to you, the one who that they have a greater sin. But you don't have that right. Pilate wanted to know. Are you a king? And Pilate says, he says, you know, I, te- I testify to the truth. Pilate says, what is truth? I mean, if you give Pilate time, he wanted to sit down and hear this man. He didn't just, he didn't have the time. He would have sat down and listened to Jesus because he knew there was something different from this Jew than every other Jew he's encountered before. And you saw what he did. Put that sign on there. The king of the Jews. He wasn't mocking Jesus. He was mocking the Jews. Whether you like it or not, I think this man is different from the rest of you. He could care less what anybody thought. Because he was trying to appease his conscience. Because he knew they were forcing him to do what he didn't want to do. But if you read the history, Pilate was a serious murderer. He was killed just like that. But he was scared to kill. Because he could recognize God was with this man. But you see, the same spirit is upon your life today. The same Holy Spirit is upon you. And we need to stir up what God has placed in us. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The wind blows and you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it's coming from or where he's going. So is everyone who is born from above. That's what the Bible tells us, John chapter 3, but you've got John chapter 3 verse 16, the same, book, the same chapter tells us the same thing. We are a mystery to the world, and we must carry ourselves that way, because you have been anointed to be a king. You don't have to be afraid of anything. I would like to close with this scripture, doesn't quite relate to this, but for, your, for us, what we must always remind ourselves about because we belong to this family and there is insurance on your life to make sure you are well taken care of. Please turn with me to Psalm 103. How many just remember that scripture right now? Psalm 103, beginning from verse 1. Bless the Lord, and we all say it, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, because you have been anointed as a king. Don't forget his benefits. 
Somebody paid for the benefits. It's not Obamacare, but somebody paid for the benefits. <laughs> somebody paid for the benefits. Amen? Maybe you work, for, you work for him, Jesus. He gives good benefits, okay? When you work for Jesus, you got covered, okay? He's going to cover you. Take good, make good use of your benefits. And God's telling you, don't forget all his benefits. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Every iniquity is forgiven. Okay? Who heals uh, some of your diseases, all of your diseases. If he heals all your diseases, what do you have left? None. And God says, don't forget that. Don't you forget. He heals all your diseases, all your sicknesses, all the diseases he heals. Who redeems your life from destruction? Redeems your life from destruction. Meaning, in my mind, I'm not dying until I'm ready to go home. I believe Paul, when I'm ready and I can't walk real good anymore and I'm needing to you to take me around, you know, walking, then it's time to go. <laughs> I'm not going to let Toju clean me up and all of that, okay? <laughs> That's too graphic, <laughs> I guess. At that time, Lord, I'm coming home, okay? I can't walk no more. Can't really chew my food real good. I'm coming home, okay? Bill Johnson is laughing real good. <laughs> okay, he forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed as the eagles. So he satisfies your mouth with good things. Your youth is renewed. All those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This is not just for us to sing, you know. It's for us to believe and live by because they are all true. God is not a man that he should lie. If he has said he would do it. If he has spoken, he will make it good. Stand up with me tonight. I've got the spirit of might. Can you say that with me? I've got the spirit of might. I can pray. I can sing. Michael, please don't join that. <laughs> I can do whatever I want to do because the Lord is with me. Amen. I'm teasing my friend Michael tonight. But you have all it takes. The Holy Spirit is with you. You don't have to be sick. That doesn't mean Satan won't tempt you with sickness. But the doctor is not who determines when you go. And sickness certainly is not what determines when you go home. It's when you want to go home. This is what scripture says. Jesus wasn't, he never considered sickness. Nothing, it's wrong to say uh, Jesus is sick today. Let's pray for him. That would be blasphemy. He is the head and we are the body. Please raise your hands up to him tonight and begin to thank him for who he has made you. Begin to thank him for who he has made you. 
He'll meet all your needs. That doesn't mean you won't go through difficulties, but he's paving the way for you. God will take care of you. Don't allow your heart to be sorrowful. Only be sorrowful when you've done something that displeases your source. That's the only time to be sorrowful because somehow you cut yourself off. But then come right back because he loves you. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you are cleansed from all unrighteousness, you no longer have unrighteousness. You are righteous before him. And God says, the Lord will bless the righteous and surround the righteous with favor as with a shield. So right now, you are being surrounded with favor as with a shield. All around you, front of you, behind you, all around you, the angels, the demons can see you surrounded with favor as with a shield. You are being encapsulated with favor. Everywhere you go, you carry favor. When they see you, they're looking at favor because favor is upon your life. They can't resist because God is telling them, you got to give room for favor. Favor just showed up in this office right now. Favor is talking to you right now. And they don't understand it. They just like you. I just like you. And I think I should do this. Well, you know why? Because the Holy Spirit is telling them, you don't have a choice. You have to bless my servants. Amen? And that's you tonight. Say it with me. That's me tonight. That's me. And we're not, we're not lying. This is the truth. And this is what sets us free. When we stand with God's word and believe God, Contrary to what we feel in the flesh. Contrary, what we see, contrary to what we see in our circumstances. This is not a good, uh, feel-good thing. No. This is the truth. And we need to accept the truth. And when we embrace the truth, because Jesus is the truth, we embrace Him. And when we embrace Christ with Him, nothing is impossible. Amen? Nothing is impossible. Now turn around, greet everyone around you. Tell them how happy you are to see them today.